Welcome to Central Baptist Church Buna's weekly sermon podcast. For more information about our church, visit us on the web at cbcbuna.com. Amen and amen. If you have a copy of God's Word, would you turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 1? 1 Corinthians chapter 1. While you're turning there, I do need to just give you a quick update. We have uh, last week, we really enjoyed the January preaching series. It was a very special night, and uh, we have been looking forward to tonight, but uh, I regret to inform you that Brother Cole, who is going to be our speaker tonight, is sick and is not going to be able to make it tonight. So uh, we are just not going to have our service tonight. So if you were planning on coming, here's what I need you to do. Just shift that to next Sunday night, all right? Uh, We're going to have Dr. Scott Moody here, uh, who is a professor of preaching. So if you want to hear how to do it, come listen to him preach the word. Though uh, he is a a really good teacher, but Bryce took his class last semester, and uh, I'm a little worried about it, you know? I'm a little worried to have, uh, have him here and... You know, uh, I'm just afraid he's going to also listen to some of our sermons online and maybe write us some reviews or something. It's uh, a little makes me anxious, but Dr. Scott is fantastic. So uh, just know we're not going to meet this evening. I'll be praying for Brother Cole. Talk to him this morning. He's fine, just didn't want to come share, and we appreciate that. Uh, We want him to come share the word, but don't come share germs, all right? So uh, be praying for his family, but we will not gather here this evening, but we will next Sunday night. And I would love to have a great turnout for that. Uh, We had a good group last Sunday night, but I would love to have, you know, uh, more than we had last week. So let me just throw that out there. I don't even know how many. I didn't count, but uh, there's a bunch of us right now. I would love to see, you know, a bunch of us next Sunday evening. So if you can make plans to join us, I also know that some of you perhaps were praying that something would happen because you have a football game that you care about this afternoon. Uh, If that was you, whoever opened the Petri dish and got Brother Cole sick, I'd just, you know, pray for your heart. Uh, It's fine. Uh, So we're back here in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, excited to be walking through this text over uh, last weekend today, thinking about the wisdom and power of God. About 10 years ago, in fact, I guess maybe it was 11 or 12 years ago now, uh, I made one of the biggest adult purchases at that time of my life, and it was a new car for our family. We had a kiddo on the way. We were expecting Etta, our first child, and man, with a growing family, the Honda Civic wasn't going to cut it, so we knew we needed to get something, so uh, we got a really huge, massive Nissan Rogue, okay? And it's funny now, because you know I got four kids now, it didn't last very long, our big uh, family vehicle there. I still drive that car to this day, and I got to tell you, it was one of those weird experiences, because when you go shopping for a car, it's like, hey, this is the one you're looking at? Well, the price range is this massive amount of range. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's like, well, this, this model, and this was all a long time ago, this tells you how long ago, this model is like, you know, $23,000, this one is thirty-five, and I'm like, well, hold up. How can the same car be that much different? And they're like, well, this one has the Bose sound system. This one has this. This one, you know, will just shoot you out of the car when you get home if you're too tired to walk inside. Like all these different features, all these add-ons that you can do. So I'm just like, do you have one with crank windows? I want to get the cheapest. You know, they didn't. I got the cheapest they could get. And I'm just here to tell you, they didn't have that one available. So we, we ended up with the one we have. And I was thinking about that as I was thinking about the wisdom of God. Because here's what I think, if we're not careful, we do when we think about the wisdom of God. We've turned wisdom into an add-on of the Christian life. 
Uh, so we're saved, praise the Lord, we know Jesus, but now if you want wisdom, that's going to be a little bit extra. Come to church a little more, maybe read some Christian books, and you can get some wisdom. But I want to tell you that wisdom is not an add-on in the Christian life. Rather, wisdom is the engine that actually makes your Christian life go. We defined wisdom simply as this last week, living life God's way. And I want us to think about that today as we continue to walk through this text. Last week, we, we said it this way. The gospel of Jesus Christ is where you and I find the wisdom and power of God. And we found this conundrum that what the world calls wisdom is actually foolishness in the eyes of God. And what the Lord would call wisdom, the world is going to say, is absolutely foolish, so we had to ask ourselves, admittedly, a complicated question. Are we wise or foolish today? And we asked it by asking a hard question, do our lives look foolish to the world around us? As Christ followers, we should be living in such a different way that when the world looks at us, they say, that's crazy. That, that's so wild. That's so foolish. What a wild way to live. But if I'm just honest with you today, what grieves me as a pastor is that most of our lives end up really being in lockstep with the world and the culture around us. And maybe your faith is just the add-on in your life. Maybe Jesus is an accessory instead of the wisdom of God that is making your life go today. So we found this call last week to follow the Lord, to find the wisdom and power that make us look different to a watching world. And through the simple proclamation of the gospel, the foolishness of the gospel, the foolishness even of preaching, God reveals himself to us, but we must have the wisdom to respond to that. So as we continue in this text, an important call is going to emerge here. If you have been saved, if you've exchanged the foolishness of the world for the wisdom of God, then Paul is going to invite us to consider our calling today. And we're going to see a reminder of who we were, whose we are, and then we're going to see a call to walk in that new identity. So let's read our text, then we'll pray and ask the Lord to help us as we dive into the word. 1 Corinthians 1, starting in verse 26. The word of the Lord says this, For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to th nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that as it is written, let the one who boasts Boast in the Lord. Lord, we just want to ask for your help today. Lord, we want to boast in you. I pray that this sermon would just be nothing but a huge boast in who you are and what you've done for us in such a way, Lord, that you would take fools like us and turn us into wise people who are living life your way. Thank you for what you're going to do. Speak to us through your word. We're listening. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, i got to tell you, I love the progression that we've seen in this text. 
Going back to last week's message, we said we've got a, a foolish a message, and then we said we have foolish messengers proclaiming that message. And really, in this paragraph, it's like, hey, you folks receiving the message aren't that sharp either, right? It's like it's just equal opportunity offense for everybody. Uh, but we'll come back to that in, in a minute. But what I want to see first are three powerful words here. Consider your calling. Consider your calling. If you want a title for the message, that would be it today. Consider your calling. And, and I think these three words are really expounded through the rest of what we just read. And it's a really healthy thing for us to stop and do today. This word consider comes from the Greek word to see, blepo, to, to look and see. And it's in the past tense, meaning it's kind of a call to look back and remember. In fact, the New Living Translation uses that word, remember who you were, remember your calling. Take a moment to reflect. I love the, the new year, man, like new year, new, new season. I'm all for that. I'm all for resolutions. In case you uh, couldn't tell by my broccoli rant last week, Trying to make some healthier food choices. I got a little snippy on broccoli. I apologize. Uh, go ahead, get though. Look ahead, man. Make some, make some choices. Like, make some resolutions. Decide to get better. It's okay to realize that you're not there yet. We're not where we want to be. That we've got goals and vision, and we're pressing on toward the higher calling in Christ Jesus. Yes and amen. All of those things are good. But did you know that it's a biblical thing sometimes just to stop and remember what the Lord has actually done? And don't we have a God who's done so many good things in our lives? He's been so good to us. And this is what Paul's inviting us to do as we walk through this text. Man, my prayer is that we would all take time to consider our calling. And we would do that by looking back to what God has done. But as we look back, it gives us what we need to actually press forward into the new identity that God has called us to have as Christ followers. So the first part of this journey of considering our calling begins with recognizing who we were. We have to recognize who we were. Paul says, not many of you were powerful. Not many of you were of noble birth. Essentially what he's saying is this, you weren't special. I got to tell y'all, this is extremely countercultural in 2024. In fact, even today in the church, many gospel presentations begin with talking about how special and awesome you are. It's like the idea of like, man, if only God could save you, he could do some really, really cool things. Youth pastors used to make the joke of, man, if you can get the popular kids in the youth group, things are really going to be awesome. If you can get that best athlete, you can get the, the, the kids that everyone, like that's what you got to do. If you want to grow your youth group, you got to win the popular kids. Even churches today, man, we want to get the influencers. If you have the influencers as a part of your congregation, the movers and the shakers of your culture, then you can really begin to make a difference. And people get all jazzed up and excited about that. But can I tell you, somebody forgot to share that strategy with Jesus. Have you read the New Testament? It's a who's who of people who are goofy like us. I know a couple of our groups are using the chosen curriculum right now. Hey, man, do you think that's good? Read the Bible, it's crazier. And see it depicted on the screen, but you read the words of Scripture, man. The people that followed Christ, the people that he called and said, follow me, were not the who's who of society. Like if Jesus really wanted to start an epic movement, you know what he should have done? Go to the most popular synagogues. Become friends with those guys. Get with the other popular rabbis. Make a network, you know, come together and let's really make this thing happen. 
Or, or if you want to do something countercultural to the Jewish religion, why don't you go to the, the Roman political influencers? Man, you could do something if you went to the right people and get, but that's not what Jesus does. Instead, when you read the New Testament, Jesus' ministry revolves around the outcast, the down and out, the marginalized. But I got to tell you, brothers and sisters, this is good news for us. You know why? Because even though we spend much of our time, much of our lives trying to tell the world how awesome we are, and now we all have like our own social media platforms and can spend much time curating our lives and trying to make sure everybody knows that we're special and awesome, I got some, some bad news for you, but it's actually good news. You're not that special. We should add the kids in here for this message, with them, right? <laughs> Take down the poster in the hallway that says you're all, like, listen, you, you are, listen, the good news of the gospel is that you're not that big a deal, but Jesus Christ, even though you are you, Jesus came to you. Isn't that incredible? Jesus is in the business of coming to fools like us, people like you and me. So I just want to press on this a minute, because I, again, I know this is so countercultural that, that really you don't like this. And some of you are slightly bothered by this, and you're like, man, I'm going to First Baptist next week, and that's all right. I love them, good folks. But like we said last week, the gospel really starts with a moment of honest evaluation. Where, where you recognize, I'm a sinner. I, I've messed this up. I, I'm the fool that this passage is talking about. I, I've been living my life backward as if this world and the things of this world were the most important thing there is. Church, I've been praying all week that the Holy Spirit would just grip your heart today if you've never had a moment where you recognize you were a sinner in need of a Savior. That the Lord would just expose the foolishness of your way of life so that you could see your great need for the wisdom of God. That a foolish message proclaimed by a foolish preacher would cause you to run to the wisdom and power of God that's only found through the cross of Jesus Christ. Because when we do that, y'all, everything changes. But here's what I know. E even those of you who've already had that moment where you said, man, I, I need a Savior. And maybe you went to Jesus and you said, man, I need you to save me. And you know you're a Christ follower today. Can I tell you it's really easy to find ourselves slipping back into living by the wisdom of this world instead of the wisdom of God? It's easy to forget who you were. I said this Wednesday night, but, but when we don't consider our calling, I think sometimes we kind of start to act like Jesus got a pretty good deal when he saved us. <laughs> like, man, my neighbor, man, I know some people that, whew, the Lord really had to do some work on them. But God got a bargain when he saved me, and now I'm doing all this stuff. Like, it's easy to find yourself getting to a place where you forget who you were, but you were a sinner in desperate need of a Savior a fool who had chosen the foolish things of this world instead of the things of God that are freely offered to all who would come to him. Paul's gonna come out swinging against this mentality. He says, man, there is nothing good in us. There is nothing wise in you that comes apart from the transforming power of the gospel of Christ. So we've gotta stop for a second and just recognize who we were. Now, here's what I wanna warn you. Our culture is actually really good at teaching you to look inward right? Evaluate yourself. 
Look in yourself. You probably need to go to therapy. You know, you just look in yourself, just sort through all this stuff. Man, look within, look within. And what I want to tell you is the Bible says certainly, yeah, look back, recognize who you were. But the Bible says look at who you were so that you can then be pointed to whose you are. So, so I want to say recognize who you are, but also that's so that we can recognize today whose we are. Look at verses 27 and 28 with me again. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world. Did you see some repetition happening there? Two words repeated three times in that text, God chose. Those two words ought to cause you to stop and consider the glorious reality of our calling. Friend, if you are in Christ today, if you know the Lord, if you have been called by him and responded to the gospel, you have been called by almighty God himself. You've been chosen by God himself. I've always loved the way that Christian artist Rich Mullins put it. He said it this way, it just proves that God ain't got no taste. Why would he choose us? The answer's right here in the text, and I gotta tell you, it's actually a pretty surprising answer. God chose us precisely because we were so unchoosable. God calls us because we were the last people you would expect to be called. God chose us so that when he changes us and uses us, he is the one who gets the glory. Verse 29 said, so that no one may boast in the presence of God. So I want to encourage you today, if you feel inadequate, if you feel like, man, I don't know, man, God can't use me. Like, does he know my family history? Does God know what I've done in my past? Does God know how, how in unqualified and how disqualified I feel? Does God know how far I've run from him? Does God know who I am? Can I tell you the answer to that unequivocally is yes, he knows. And secondly, you are just the type of person that God specializes in using. The last people you would expect to be used by God are the ones that he is looking for. God is in the business of using the foolish things of this world to shame the so-called wise. You see, God's method of working in this world is to take the weak and use them to demonstrate his power. This is how God operates. And the way God does this is not by taking us and then making us the most successful people in the world. We would love that. That would preach, friends. Like, oh, hey, God wants to use you, so come so you can be real successful for the glory of God. Hey, just come, and he's going to help you score all the points in the basketball game. Like, come and do this. You're going to go straight to the top at your workplace. No, that's not how God does it. God demonstrates his power in the simple fact that he chooses to save us. Verse 30 says, and because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us the wisdom of God. Church, we were foolish, but now because of God, not because of us, but because he chose us in Christ, you and I have been given the wisdom of God. And the wisdom of God, friends, it's not an add-on. Do you know what the wisdom of God is? It's Jesus. 
You see what we just read in verse 30? It says Jesus has become for us the wisdom of God. So do you want to live life God's way? That's what wisdom is. Then the way to live life God's way is to live for Jesus. That's what it is to live in a life of wisdom, is to live a life for Jesus. So the call to consider your calling starts with the call to recognize who you were, and then a call to recognize whose you are, and then we see this application to walk in your new identity. Friends, we've got to walk in our new identity. To walk in wisdom is to walk with Jesus. But here's the thing. That has become so ubiquitous. Even that phrase, some of you are like, oh, that's where he landed? I've been trying to do that forever, and I don't think I'm doing it right. Anybody else? It's like, hey, it's just Jesus. Amen. It's like spiritual gobbledygook. We all just say these spiritual words and say Jesus. And, you know, it's like, what does that really mean, though? How do we really walk with Jesus? What does that look like in our lives? Well, I want to tell you that the Bible doesn't leave us with nothing here. Instead, we have these words that, that help us see what it means to walk in this new identity. In verse 30, there are these words that says, Christ Jesus became to us wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. And some of y'all are like, oh man, those sound like four big churchy words, and he's probably going to talk about every one of them. Congratulations, you are correct. But man, I want to tell you, these are life-changing words. Do you want to know what it means to walk with Jesus? then write these words down and let's think about these together. Because it's not just some generic, post some secular humanism stuff and dress it up with Jesus words on Facebook. This isn't some like popular Christian author junk that just kind of is just blah. No, this is theology that changes the way you live. Believing the right things about Jesus helps you walk with the real Jesus. Do you want to walk with the real Jesus? Not enough of you said yes. That's fine. Uh, I know we're working on this call and response thing. If you're on the fence about it, get off the fence about it. We have enough of this cultural Southeast Texas Jesus. And y'all all all dress him up different, right? Some of us like a hipster with a latte. The other one, he's like John Wayne with the Bible. Like, come on. Forget all your preconceived notions of who Jesus is and what it means to walk with him. And let's look to the scriptures. First, we're going to see that Jesus is the wisdom of God. So walking with Jesus, walking in this new identity means we stop looking to the world for wisdom. This is what last week's sermon was about. I'm not going to take a lot of time to unpack this. But basically, if you're looking to this world for wisdom, you are going to live in a way that the Lord would say is foolish and dumb. The only way to live wise is to look to Jesus. And how do we look to Jesus, friends? We look to his word. God's wisdom is available to you and me if we would run to him and run to his word. This is how Jesus speaks to us. So we dive into the scriptures to find the wisdom of God, and we seek to build our lives around what we find here. And a crazy thing happens when we do that. Over and over, you're going to see the beauty of the gospel. And the beauty of the gospel is our second thing here, and it's that Jesus is our righteousness. Jesus is our righteousness, We said it last week, and we're going to say it again today. We have to be honest and recognize where we are. We have to recognize that we're sinners and that our sin has separated us from God. Because that's reality, what you really have throughout human history is humanity desperately trying to fix our righteousness problem. God is righteous, you and I not so much. 
So we want to have a relationship with God, so we spend our lives trying to make ourselves righteous. If I can do enough good things, if I can go to church and if I can do all the right things, maybe I can fix it. But the reality is we can never do enough to make ourselves righteous. We've tried to do enough for God. We've tried to earn our righteousness. But here's what the Bible actually tells us. Even if you could perfectly follow all the commands of Scripture, by the way, you can't, but even if you could, Can I tell you what the Bible says? Is that you would then find yourself full of religious pride, which is breaking one of the commands. The Bible says it this way in the book of Isaiah, even our best, most righteous deeds are as filthy rags compared to the righteousness of God. Is that shocking for any of you to hear? When you stand before the Lord, the thing that you are most proud about in all of your life, the most righteous thing you ever did that you would put at the top of your spiritual resume when you stand before God, the Bible says that that is as a basket of dirty laundry before the Lord. Some of you are like, I thought the gospel was good news. That doesn't sound like good news to me, Pastor. This is why the gospel is good news. Even though righteousness is not possible on our own, Jesus Christ became the righteousness of God for us. So when we have this thing at the cross, the the gospel moment where Jesus dies on the cross, theologians would call this double imputation. We're getting real theological today. You like this? Some of you nerds in the room are like, yes, let's do it. Double imputation. Here's what it means. First, when Jesus died on the cross, in that moment, the payment for sin was transferred to you when you call out to Jesus. When you ask Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, at that moment, his payment for sin is imputed or given to you. But that's not the only thing that happened. Also, the righteous life that Jesus lived, a righteous, perfect, and holy life was also imputed or given to you. So not only were your sins paid for, but you were given the righteous life of Christ. Here's why that matters. Some of you are like, I'm lost and confused. Here's why that matters. What if I were to tell you, congratulations, you came to church. Because you came to church today, every single one of you are getting a complete, blank, clean slate before the Lord. Hey, that'd be a pretty amazing thing. All of us would say, wow, we don't, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. He gave me a clean slate. But can I tell you what would happen, friends? Before you even get to the chicken place for lunch, you're going to have a mess on your slate again. If you had a brand new clean slate today, you are not going to be able to maintain your righteousness Oh, but the good news of the gospel is that when God looks at you today, if you are in Christ, he doesn't see you for your sin, past, present, or future even. Instead, he sees you as perfect and holy because Jesus Christ has become your righteousness. Oh, isn't that incredible, friends? And some of y'all needed to hear that today. See, you didn't want theology, but you needed that today. You got saved, and now you've been trying to keep your plate clean ever since. And you wonder why you keep failing and failing and failing. It's because you've been trying to do what Christ already did for you. Man, stop beating yourself up for sins that Jesus already died on the cross to pay for. It's paid in full. Quit going back. And walk in the freedom that this brings. Jesus died on the cross to pay for your sins, but he's also given us his perfect and righteous life. 
But it doesn't stop there. Jesus is our wisdom. He's our righteousness. But the text also says that Jesus is our sanctification. We, we talked about this word on Wednesday night, but sanctification is simply the process of becoming sanctified or holy. And here's what that's essentially saying. Growing in Christ. Becoming more like Jesus each and every day. That's what sanctification is. So let me just give you a simple but needed reminder today. You can't grow to be more like Jesus without Jesus. Oh, y'all didn't hear me. I'm going to say it again. You can't grow to become more like Jesus without Jesus. Some of y'all, you're like January, and it's like new year, new me, so I'm going to start this Bible reading plan. I'm going to come to church more. I'm going to start tithing. I'm going to start serving. I'm going to do all these things. And let me just tell you, those are good things that I think the Lord would call you to do. But if you're doing them without him, you're wasting your time and effort. Instead, the Lord would call you instead to do these spiritual disciplines, not to earn his love, but because he loves you right now. Friends, did you know that right now, God loves you perfectly and completely as much as he will ever love you right here, right now in this moment? Oh, do you believe that, friends? Some of you are like, no, I forgot my Bible reading this week. Oh, his love for you is not dependent on your spiritual disciplines and your works. He loves you right now with as much love as he will ever have for you. But here's what that does, friends. That kind of love actually changes us. You know what guilt does? Guilt makes us run and hide and pretend. And we, it's a too, way too much of that in the church today. Oh, but grace actually transforms us. When we know that he loves us right now, can I tell you what it causes us to do? Man, I want to dive in God's word. Not because if I don't read the Bible, God's going to zap me or not love me as much, but because he loves me, why wouldn't I want to hear from him? Man, why wouldn't I run to the one who loves me and has a word for me every time I open the Bible? Man, why wouldn't I want to serve more in the church? I want to use my gifts and do what God's called me to do. Why wouldn't I want to gather together with the saints? Because when we gather, we provoke one another to love and good works. You, do you remember that message? It was only a few days ago. I hope you do. Brother Bryce preached on that from Hebrews chapter 10. And we want to gather together because we grow together. It's not because we have to. It's because we get to and we want to. Man, I want to give because everything God's given me belongs to him anyways. So I eagerly give back of what he's given me. Do you see how this changes spiritual disciplines, friends? Oh, this is a game changer. Your life will radically transform if you would understand this today. Jesus is our sanctification. We just want more of Jesus. And when we want more of Jesus, he helps us grow. Jesus is our sanctification. Finally, we see in this text that Jesus is our redemption. In the original Greek language, this word redemption is used kind of to denote an event, the tense and everything that it's written in. So this isn't talking about the long process of redemption that we talked about on Wednesday night, but this is really talking about your salvation. Your salvation, the moment you came to Christ. Jesus is our redemption, friends. That means Jesus is our salvation. And I think that is a wonderful way to sum up everything we've just considered. From beginning to the end, it's all about Jesus. The world is going to try to tell you to do this or do that. Here are the steps you need to take if you really want to level up your life. 
But church, hear me today. If you need wisdom, if you need righteousness, if you need sanctification, if you need salvation, don't run anywhere except to the cross of Christ where Jesus stands with open arms ready to receive everyone who would come. I mentioned James chapter one last week. Do you remember that verse? It says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all who call on him. Can I tell you how we can translate that verse and say that verse today? Because what did verse 30 tell us? Jesus became for us the wisdom of God. So in a sense, friends, you know what you could say today? Maybe you've heard this sermon and you're like, I need more Jesus. How much is it and where can I get it? If any of you lacks wisdom, if any of you lacks Jesus, let him ask God who gives generously of himself to all who ask of him. Oh, the Savior is here today with arms open, ready for any who would call on his name. Maybe today you need to call on him for the first time ever. Maybe you've been living a foolish life your entire life, and today as we proclaim the gospel, you're like, that's me. I've never exchanged my foolishness for the wisdom of God. But I want to encourage you to come talk to me or Brother Bryce and say, I'm ready to surrender my life to Christ today. Man, I also know there's a lot of you in this room who who are Christ followers already, but if you're honest, your life has gotten away from living for Jesus. The call today is to consider your calling and to run to Jesus. But one last note, walking out your new identity means also that you spend a life bragging on Jesus. I love this in the text. Verse 31 simply says, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. You know why I love that? It's like the idea, it's like, oh, y'all better stop your boasting. That's kind of how we read this passage, isn't it? But verse, verse 31 gives us permission to brag. As long as you recognize, I got nothing to brag about in me, but I got everything to brag about in my Savior. Man, your life ought to be one big boasting in the Lord. Everything in your life, the way you go to work, the way you spend your money, the way you raise your kids, the way we do church, everything in our life ought to be pointing to the greatness and the glory of God in a world that says make much of yourself. In a world that says spend all of your resources, time, talent, and treasure to make much of you. In a world that says go and do whatever you can to make your name great. The foolish invitation of Christ is to come to the cross, lay your life down, and spend the rest of your life making much of Jesus. Is he worthy? Friends, he is. He is. Let's spend our lives, let's use our families, let's use this church and everything we've got until we draw our last breath to make much of Jesus. Lord, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for the gospel that makes all of this possible. Lord, we are the fools who are in desperate need of your wisdom. But Lord, because of who you are, even though we are us, You chose us, God. You came to us. And even today, everybody in this room has heard the gospel and your arms are open wide, ready for any who would respond to you today. So Lord, I pray that you would give anybody in this room who doesn't know you today the boldness to respond to the gospel, to exchange the foolishness of this world for the power and wisdom that come through the cross of Christ. 
But Lord, I pray for my friends in here who know you and they would say they have a relationship with you, but, but Lord, it's so easy for us to keep going back to the wisdom of this world. Lord, let us live our lives in 2024 to make much of you. Lord, help us respond how you want us to respond today. Thank you for listening to Central Baptist Church Buna's weekly sermon podcast. May God bless you as you continue to connect, grow, and serve.